Ridge Runner Nation, welcome back to another episode of Ridge Runners Live. Tonight we are joined by Sarah Moore, who is an Ode to Laz Backyard Ultra legend. She's a two-time champion at the event and was the assist at this year's race. We dove into all kinds of things involving Ode to Laz, Biggs in 2020, and possibility for going back this year, as well as so much more. Sit back, relax, go on a run, do whatever you want to do, and enjoy this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Ridge Runners Live. Tonight we are in for an absolute treat as we are joined by the two-time champion of the Ode to Laz Backyard Ultra in the 2021 assist at this year's race. She also ran 200 miles at Big's Backyard Ultra this past year, coming to us all the way from the state up north, up north that shall not be named. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Sarah Moore, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. Coming from the great state of Michigan, thank you. You know, I'm out in Utah now, but I really just can't say it myself. Uh, John, I know you're holding down the fort in Ohio for us, and we uh, we appreciate you doing that. But how are you doing, Sarah? I'm good. I'm doing good. Thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me on. We're so excited to talk to you uh, about Ode to Laz and kind of all things trail and ultra running. Uh, so it's going to be a super exciting episode. For those of you that don't know, my name is Wesley Hart and holding down the fort with me tonight is a man who is attempting to finish his first 100 miler this upcoming weekend, JD3, John the III. How's it going, man? Pretty good. I'm doing pretty well. Excited and nervous for the weekend, uh, especially since I got some redemption from last year coming at. So I'm happy. Um I guess we start off with our normal favorite thing. Sarah, what are you drinking over there? Oh, I got myself a homemade margarita, thanks. What about you? I have a high quality H2O uh, and it is very delicious. You've got the taper going. I, I appreciate that, John. That's a good look. I've got the Walrus tonight. This is a Jackson, Wyoming beer from Roadhouse Brewing Company in Jackson, Wyoming. Shout out to Alex Jackson. We had a weekend up in uh, the Grand Tetons together and uh, got some souvenirs uh, that I took back with me. So excited to be drinking that tonight, but uh, let's dive into things. You know, you can find the show on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple podcasts. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, if you're on Strava, join our Strava club as well. Before we dive too deep into Ode to Laz, and I know our viewers are super excited to hear all about the race. And if you're watching live, feel free to drop questions in the comments starting now, and we'll be sure to relay those along. But Sarah, I want to know, how did you find running? Take us back to the first time you decided to lace up a pair of shoes. Uh, good question. Well, I've always kind of been athletic, I guess. I've been a runner just to stay in shape for different sports. I was mainly a basketball player growing up. And so I would use that as my warm up for practice. And then after uh, sports ended, I needed a way to balance all of the drinking I was doing. So <clears throat> I used that as an outlet. And um, I would run with my sister in law at the time. Um, and just casually got into it. Uh, I watched other people do half marathons, marathons. And then at work, when I got my big girl job, I found a running club at work. And they would go out every day at lunch. And they would run these trails around the camp, um, the complex. And they would take me out. And I hated trail running because it was just awful. You could not get in any sort of groove. And I just thought this wasn't for me. Um, too muddy and hilly and difficult and I was much better on like that flat open road because you know from the flat lands of Michigan um but I don't know it was just a combination of peer pressure and watching other people do things that I was like well well if they're doing it why can't I 
And uh, it became a gradual uh, snowball or progression of, you know, the marathon distance. And then what's what's the next after that? And talking to some people there that were, you know, twice my age or could be my parents and crushing ultras. And I'm like, well, what's an ultra? I'm like, that's stupid. How crazy. That'll never be me. And uh, so here we are, I guess. It was just a gradual uh, slippery slope, shall we say, of meeting the right people and being a sucker for peer pressure. What are those beginning ultras like? Obviously, you kind of uh, said you kind of stumbled into the scene, but kind of take us back to what uh, your first couple ultras were like. They were ugly, <laughs> very ugly and very underprepared. I didn't really listen to anybody. I'm kind of one of those um, hard-headed, I'm going to figure this out for myself types. And they would tell me, oh, you should stretch, you should roll. I'm like, eh, I'm young, I'm fine. I'll be okay. And then I would get runner's knee. And then I would be off cross-training for the next few months trying to get back into running. Um, but my first 50 mile, I remember it was um, North Country, Manistee, Michigan. And I thought, okay, maybe if I just build up my mileage, I'll be okay. And all of my miles were flat rows, basically. And then I get on this hilly trail and the last 15 miles plus, I think I spent crying. But then again, I, I still cry a lot. So it's kind of my MO. Um, I think I learned there, though, that you need to do a little more hill work and a little more trail running to be good at trail running or at least not suffer the entire time. <laughs> so a lot of trial and error. But then, um, you know, it took a while to want to do another 50 miler after that. And uh, I think it was after a few drinks that we decided to sign up for a 100 miler just because it sounded like a good idea at the time. One of those like RUIs where you register under the influence. I'm sure there's some people out there that have uh, fallen victim to that. Um, but, but then the next day I wake up and I'm like, okay, we're gonna do this. And it was like a similar experience. So my first hundred was also a death march to the end. Um, and I was never gonna do another one after that either. Uh, it was like a one and done, but for some reason, after you sit down and reminisce and think about it and the pain subsides, um, and you have all these like awesome memories of how horrible it was, you get excited to do it again, which I don't know why that makes sense, but <laughs> I don't know. So that's kind of how it all started. And then it's been more recently, like the backyards have become addicting and, uh, just kind of a question mark of what's what's your personal limit? So I've been more into those um, because it's not really about hitting a certain time, I guess. It's about what can you pull out of yourself and it's not a certain mileage per se. Because if you go out with like, okay, I'm going to do 50 miles or 5K even, the last percentage of the race, no matter how far it is, always sucks. So you go out for a 10 miler, the last five miles are going to be hard. You go out for 100, sorry, John, but you're probably going to suffer those last 15. But if you go for unlimited, you don't know when, when the end is. So it's kind of a different mind game. And uh, I don't know. It's crazy, but I love it. You kind of talked about your preparation and kind of going through the process of trial and error throughout your ultra running experience. How has that played into your backyard ultra experience from the first backyard ultra to kind of where you are now? Oh, good, good point. Um, We've definitely experimented with a lot of different uh, foods and crew kit. Um, thanks to my my wonderful husband, who's been 
Um, my chief crew, man, he's acquired a lot of things over the, the years that have made it easier, I guess. Although it's made it harder in the preparation because there's so much stuff to pack <laughs> and so much stuff to unload. Um, so maybe it's just overcomplicated it in some ways, because if you look at like the champion this year, he shows up with like a tent chair and a cooler, a beer, and he's good to go. <laughs> so uh, maybe it's uh, wiser to go back to basics and not get so uh, fancy. Um, I don't know, I guess still figuring it out. You know, it's, you can't really perfect this backyard stuff. There's always something to learn. Um, just changing up more of like my mental training has been a big thing because I think sometimes you can go into it any race and already count yourself out. And if you go into the backyard, not with this attitude of I'm going to go until I drop, then uh, you're kind of, or if you go into it with like, I'm going to hit this number and be done. Uh, you're not going to be going as far as you possibly could. So I guess training myself to to not underestimate myself is been a big thing. Our first question in the chat from Dom Halbert says, "Hey, how did you uh, how did your porta potty backyard, which is an amazing name for a race, uh, earlier this year prepare you mentally for Ode?" <laughs> well, I got to tell you that was a lesser known race that I didn't really um, advertise too much, although it might have been on Strava a couple times. But I did get into this porta potty thing back during COVID when there wasn't much else to do, everything was closed. So um, when I go for runs and sometimes you need to make a stop, I would uh, inspect these porta potties and, you know, stumble upon some interesting things inside of them. Well, my friend Dom here had a birthday earlier this year and I decided to put on a dedicate a race to him, um, a backyard style race that involved a lot of porta potties because he's really old now <clears throat> but I'd have to run around the porta potty and then go inside of it and that would count as one backyard porta potty and we videotaped every single one of these it was it was a big challenge I didn't I didn't make it I honestly I DNF so maybe this prepared me for what happened at Ode <laughs> I got to like 18 and I think I ran out of porta potties because the goal was to get a new porta potty every time and I mean, Royal Oak is only so big. There's only so many construction zones. And honestly, I think everyone thought I was weird around here or maybe everywhere, but it was tough. It was a challenge. I would, I'm not sure I'm ready for another one of those. <laughs> you pretty much did a porta potty scavenger hunt. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Tour. Tour. Love it. That's awesome. You know, it's always great to hear, you know, these shows are always so inspiring to hear, you know, how the greats mentally prepare themselves for uh, things like this. And the Porta Potty back at Ultra is one we've never heard before, but uh, one that I hope our viewers honestly take to heart and uh, let us know how it is and film it, please, because we'd love to uh, see those as well. It's on YouTube somewhere, but I'm not sure I'm going to publish that. <laughs> My editing skills are not very good. It could have been better. <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome so let's let's dive into ode here going into this year you know i want to start to start start by setting the scene for people that have never uh been to holly michigan and up to at that state park there kind of set the scene you know when you get there what's it like around camp the night before uh how's everyone doing kind of set the scene for us oh it's a shit show i love the ode <clears throat> you show up and you just it feels like coming home for me at least um but Tad puts on such a great event and it's not just the day or the days of the race. 
he puts on this, these shenanigans that lead up to it where you can come up and do these, um, uh, just mess around, do some tries. If you want to practice swim, bike, run, um, he invites you to come take advantage of the lake and the park. And so he's got all different things set up. Um, we had this giant, he got me this giant Sarasaurus blow up dinosaur. I was supposed to take a ride on, but I didn't get to thought about that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, leading up to the race, there was a bunch of people showing up on Friday, uh, setting up, um, getting their tents ready around the start line, uh, getting to meet some new faces that were in from out of town. Um, yeah, we had like Matt B. Davis and his crew and, and all of the, uh, the o OCR guys. Um, but that was neat this year, having, having such a bigger crew from abroad showing up was really neat. So we went on a couple of uh, test runs or tours of the loop, and I got to, you know, meet some of the racers and runners beforehand, and it kind of establishes this camaraderie and this friendship before we even tow the line, and I don't know, it's, it's just more about um, getting a big group together from all over and having a, a run party, and I don't know. It doesn't feel like your typical race where you're like, you know, eyeing the competition. Well, for me, it doesn't feel like that. I'm just like, oh, who's going to, we're going to hang out together for hours on end. And it's going to be, sorry, I'm a fly. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun to get to know each other and see each other's uglies and, you know, maybe some, some happy memories too, but <laughs> we're going to, we're going to get dirty. It's going to get real, real fast. Kind of like that um what was it back in the day real tv when they used to live together you know what i'm talking about oh is that like yeah it's like that it was like almost like in jersey kind of-esque like real world yeah mtv real world like one of the first like reality tv shows kind of that was mm -hmm. on i think or something yeah what it uh, felt like we were meeting a bunch of random people and then all of a sudden you're gonna be some fast friends and there's gonna be some drama that goes down and it's going to be cool. Speaking of drama, now <laughs> you having a nice little bullet, you know, bullseye on you. How did you feel running around with this group trying to make friends when they're all looking at you like, shit, she's going to whip her ass again? Um, I don't know if I look at it as a bullseye so much. I put the bullseye on myself and I don't really care about what other people think. I'm more, I'm harder on myself than anyone else can be. So I was more worried about myself being able to pull out another big backyard like what if in the first mile or the first yard you turn an ankle or um what if uh you know I don't make the cutoff for whatever reason and <clears throat> my day ends early so I'm more worried about getting through that first day and holding on for dear life really um but yeah it's funny because it's it's weird showing up and everyone knows you already and I kind of feel bad if I'm like I should know that person <laughs> or um, not being able to know them back right away makes me feel bad. But we should have name tags in the future. So it makes it easier. I'd appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, bibs are like that, kind of. And yeah, but they bags. don't put the names on all of them. That would be better. Yeah. We need name tapping. Name tag bibs on all backyard racers and crews. Not a bad idea. I like it. I support it. Um, going into the, the starting the race, what was your kind of mindset? I think you just touched on it a little bit being like, you know, you hope you don't turn an ankle and you want to kind of just go for it. But, you know, what, you know, when you started and towed the line, kind of what was your thought process? Uh, I just wanted it to last as long as freaking possible. Um, 
uh, on board with this whole where possible so much more. And we've just kind of uh, all begun to realize it. Uh, watching the UK backyard go 81 is just incredible and, and inspired me. And, and even just, you know, the past few backyards that have been going down in other local backyards, um, the Ohio one going uh, 55, 56, uh, the Capitol backyard going 57. Um, I wanted it to be up there with the rest of them. Uh, and I know in the prior years, we, we had a smaller crowd, but I don't think as many people showed up with that same sort of desire to push it as far as it can go. Maybe they showed up with like, I want to hit my 50K or my 50 miler. And all those are awesome and equally, um, you know, respectable goals. But I guess now that I know that sky is the limit, I just want to keep pushing it and see and be part of something great. And it doesn't matter. And it didn't matter if I was going to podium or um, be one of the last guys standing. I just wanted to help contribute to pushing it farther because you can't, you can't do it alone. You need an assist. You need more than that. When it gets down to the final two, it gets hard. So you need as many people as possible to go as far as possible for it to last uh, like those other backyards. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think that's super interesting. And kind of going into the early parts, you know, the first 12 hours or so, you know, it's always interesting hearing people like, and it's not even the warm up in the first 12 hours. Uh, what was that like for you? Any awkward hiccups or uh, was everything kind of just cruising along in that those early stages? The first 12 hours were wonderful. I really enjoyed, especially the first three, because my niece ran her first marathon or half marathon with me. And she was only supposed to do one loop. And she's 13 years old and she just started trail running um, Mother's Day. So we had just started talking about running and she told me she was going to do, <clears throat> she was doing 69 minutes on a treadmill. And I said, well, if you can do 69 minutes on a treadmill, you can do 60 minutes on a trail. So why don't you come check out this backyard? And so she came and we had practiced a couple times in the weeks leading up to it. And I thought she was going to be one and done, but sure as shit, she kept going. Two more loops later, she's got practically 13 miles under her belt and one go and I was super proud of her there so that was a big victory and that was a lot of fun sharing that with the people that um so we started in the Oak Flats community and like all of the people around there the girls around there uh were awesome and just getting to share that with them and then when my niece Olivia she didn't come back out for the fourth loop and we are starting and all the girls are like oh is she done it was just kind of sad because when you start to lose people you're like you're upset you don't want your competitors to leave you want them to stick around so it's it's not what you think usually you think oh well someone's dropping it means i'm i'm winning it's it's actually kind of bittersweet so got to do that and then i got to watch some other people do some of their personal prs which was um fantastic so some people say you know this is my longest distance ever and they're like already beyond what they had done ever before. And so those first 12 hours kind of fly by. Um, <clears throat> I I don't know, it's, it's a big party too, because you get these three different locations, uh, three different start places, and you're running around them. And especially from this location that I started at, you get to hit each of them. And one of them you hit twice because it's the out, out and back. And there's like a big party going on in each of them. So it's so, so distracting and it's almost like, I remember thinking during it, like, oh, this is going to be really hard tomorrow when these don't exist anymore, because then you all combine into one location. And then after, thir you know, 13 and beyond, 
you're all together in the one location. So there's no more communities going on. And I was like, oh, and sure enough, the next day when those communities had gone away, it was like, oh, I got to run through this and nobody's here. <laughs> That's bad. But yeah, it's, it's a big party for the first day. And uh, so if anyone's coming out for their first and want to challenge their distance or um, see what they can do, um, it's just such a great atmosphere for doing that. And you'll just, you'll see the miles slip by and you'll go further than you ever thought. I think that's the best thing I can. It's so special uh, compared to different events. Obviously, you know, when you're going into it, it's just such a, uh, you just no, have no idea what the sky is the limit, especially for people that are going into trying to set a new distance PR. Sometimes you just totally shatter your expectations. Uh, going into that first night then, uh, kind of what were the vibes kind of be going around? Uh, kind of walk us through the car thing. If there a car thing, kind of what that transition period looks like. We've read about it. We've heard about it. I also want to hear it from someone that's done it and kind of just uh, that whole thing. Yeah, the transition's interesting. I've done it twice now because I wanted to see each of the locations and the different start points. And it's it's a bit, it's it's a challenge, I guess, or a, a hiccup or something you kind of have to plan for or mentally prepare for going into it. So going into lap 11, I took it easy knowing that lap 12, I was going to push because I wanted to get like a few extra minutes for the, the transition. And in the transition, you have enough time to make up your lap on the road because the road is slightly easier, but um, but it's still a five or six minute drive. So you want to be able, and you can. So you're doing your recovery in the car. As soon as you finish, you get off the course. Your crew has packed up all your stuff into the car, and you get in it, and then they drive you to the other place. And so while you're, I'm in the car, I'm usually changing into my night clothes, into my road shoes. And um, from this location, it was a shorter drive than the other location that I had done last year, the Overlook. And so I'm like still naked and we're pulling into the parking lot. I'm like, oh, shit, slow down, Andrew. (laughs) I got to put my shirt on. So I uh, had to rush and get my clothes on. But luckily, I'd had enough time to get to my um, get to the start location, uh, the main location, right as like the bell is going off, like a minute to go, I think. Um, some other people don't make it there until like a minute after the bell, but you still have time on the road um, to make up that time. So you, as long if as long as you you're in the car before the hour's up, you can technically start the 13th loop, even if you're driving while people have already started running. Does that make sense? Yes, and I just know personally, for me, if I get in a car, I'm going to be driving oh, far, far away at that point because it would be, be uh, really hard for me to come back on the course and uh, know where I'm going. But I, I heard about that transition, and it's uh, one of the most interesting things in probably any backyard ultra ever, kind of that you hop in a car and transition. But the way that they do it makes it seem super seamless, and uh, all the runners that I've heard uh, enjoy it. So It was pretty well organized this year. Last year, um, I I thought it was or- like organized on my end. Um, I think... There was some miscommunication with my crew the first year, so we made up for it this year and made sure that we had all of our, you know, instructions and what was going to go down and what bags were going to be where. And we made sure to iron all that out because I did not want to, you know, almost be divorced after the race again. <laughs> so luckily we made it through without much issue, without any issue, actually. It was, it was pretty perfect this year. Um, so I can't complain. 
Well, we're glad glad to hear that. You know, I want to kind of talk about like the end of that end of the first night loop there. You know, there were more people that hit 100 miles uh, at this year's race than ever before at the Odalas back at Ultra. Yeah. Kind of talk about what that was like and kind of how that just boosted everyone's morale. Yeah, it was crazy because we had 69 people go into the night loop. So the the, thir- uh, the transition ended with uh, 30, 69 people starting 13 or finishing 13. Anyway, that's more than we had starting loop one in any year prior. So the fact that we had a starting corral or a starting field, starting 13, was a little intimidating, I think, for the returning ode runners that have gone through the night before or gone into the night mentally, because you're like, oh, wow, this is a huge crowd right now. <laughs> um, this, this means a lot of people are going to hang around and and sure enough, we had double, we had 12 or something go through to hit hundred and last year we only had six. So, I mean, that was, that was pretty, pretty cool to watch and to see and to have that, those kind of numbers. But I think if you're, when you're out there running and you're thinking, okay, well, if you come into this with the back, um, with the knowledge from last year's of, oh, well, this backyard only lasted 25, 28 hours, I can win this. And maybe 30. And all of a sudden we've got 12 people going into the next day. Like, Oh, this is going to last a while. (laughs) You better be ready to roll and hang on. So um, I think it shifted or it maybe impacted some people's uh, will to stay because they thought, well, maybe I can't hang. I can't compete with this crowd because there's a lot of people here that want this golden ticket. So how did the, um, how did the next 12 hours kind of go? In the morning of the Sunday. Of yeah. The so Sunday. when, you, yeah, once you got to that, that hundred and you've got your twelve, your twelve people going, and y'all are going back out, and it's that that like you said, deep crowd for a hundred, um, double last year. What was kind of the mindset there? Were you starting to look at individuals, trying to see maybe who was going to drop or who was going to go really far with you? Um, I had just kind of set my mind to I wanted to go at least two days, so I didn't really start looking around like that. Um, honestly, my next um, 12 hours of tra- trail were not very pretty because I started having some some issues. Um, that's when the tears started for me. Uh, at first, it was like tears of joy. I had this like kind of emotional, happy moment. And then from there, it kind of dove into this painful sobs <laughs> for the rest of the day of this is ridiculous. Why is this so hard? And like in between, you know, you know, being okay to like sobbing again, and then I'd be okay to, I had a lot of tears on the second 12 hours of trail. So that's how it went for me. But I don't know if I noticed anybody else. (laughs) I was too too wrapped up in my own shit show. So at least that means you were hydrated, right? (laughs) Yeah, I uh, definitely had that going. And I think I was overfed too, because there was other things. That were coming out of me as well. <laughs> a lot of it. So Gabe Rainwater, one of our favorite regeneration members, said on one of our live shows that you know that he wears his emotions on his sleeve. And you guys shared some time together at uh Big's Back at Ultra this past year. But kind of how are, how do you go new back at Ultra, you know, with your emotions? You, I mean, it kind of seems like you're an emotional runner. You know, there's a lot of people in the backyard ultra community that say, like you said, the bluff the whole time, you can't show any pain, you know. How do you balance that or how do you handle that uh, in a backyard ultra? Well, first of all, I have to say I love Gabe Rainwater and he helped me through the second night at Biggs. Um, and I will forever credit him with that. And 
so yeah, he's higher in my book. Um, but I, I totally envy those people that can hide their emotions. I am not one of them. Um, and I was just even kind of not venting or feeling, beating myself up today about it. Cause I'm like, man, I'm never going to be able to hang with those machines that just, they show no emotion. They're just on autopilot. And even when they're hurting, they have, um, they have no sign of it. And it's, it feels like it's a weakness of mine, uh, because I, if I'm happy, you're going to know it. If I'm, if I'm sad, I'm going to show it. I can't, I can't wish I could hide it, but I can't. Um, but then in some ways, the, the tears feel good. So, um, at one point my husband's like, come on, suck it up. Stop crying. I'm like, shut up. I want to cry. <laughs> I want to, it feels good. <laughs> so I don't know, maybe there's something healing in the tears or give me superpowers in the end. And I think it was funny watching other people watch me because I, I would be running up, you know, this one out and back section of, before you enter the trail. And I'd be like, <laughs> you know, like one of those like really full on sobs. It was, it was ugly crying for 12 hours. I'm not even downplaying it. Ask any of the guys. It's embarrassing. But uh, <laughs> you okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Always hi. Just give me a minute. <laughs> So um, I don't know. And somehow I guess I could swallow it and push on. And, and maybe it was my humiliation of sobbing like a baby that I was like, come on, you big sissy, let's go. So I go through these roller coasters, these swings. And um, I don't know, that's just how I roll. And I, I can't, I can't be anything else. So I'm just going to own it. Yeah, I think the best thing you can do in that moment is just, you know, be yourself. And I think that's kind of uh, what, like what you are, you know, some people just have that mentality where they just hide everything. And, you know, sometimes that can come back to bite you too, because you know, back at all, you never know how other people are truly feeling. And, you know, you could be sobbing for 12 hours and people could be like, oh, well, she's not going to make it one more loop and you go 12 more hours. And, uh, you know, I bet that could mess with some people's mentality as well. But take us through the, towards the end of the race and kind of how that all played out for you. I think the turning point for me, I was, I was crying for 12 hours and I was really struggling. I mean, it was raining all day. The, the trails had turned to mud. We had this total slop show and, and the course is hard as it is. So when you're running through mud, it makes it even more difficult. And it's just soul sucking. Uh, you're, you're going on these hills and you're just taking a few steps up and then slipping back. And then you're trying to run down, but you're try also trying not to fall on your ass. And um, the stairs just became so dangerous you could not run them and uh so at around the 35th hour I was like I'm done I don't think I'm gonna make it anymore I had one minute to the bell so you know I, I finished the loop with one minute to go and that's that's pretty dire in the backyard if you have one minute to go you're pretty much done the next loop. <laughs> so I go out and I was mad because I didn't even want to go out but my amazing crew forced me out and they're like you're not gonna die in the chair you're gonna get back out there and everyone had watched me just be a complete, you know, train wreck the whole day. So they're just waiting for me to drop. And I had kind of count, counted myself out too, in a way. Um, I just, I had forgotten why I wanted it so bad. Um, and it's just a combination of fatigue and just tired being out there so long. Um, and seeing all your friends having fun. Like, I want to go hang out with them. Uh, so that... 36 loop was kind of the game changer because I was lower than low. I thought I was done. I had only one minute to chug a recovery drink. Thanks, Matt, uh, for the vanilla recovery. And uh, to get back out there, 
And I was like, oh, whatever, I'll just time out on the course. I kind of resigned to that. So I'm going around and I'm walking it basically. And I know at certain points of the trail where I should be. And by 12 and a half minutes ish, I should be at the top of the stairs. And I'm not even close to the stairs. 12 and a half minutes, 13 minutes, 14 minutes. I get to the bottom of the stairs at like 14 minutes and they're like, it's over. Well, my crew had driven around to the top of the stairs to like give me a little cheer boost and they're screaming at me down from the top of the stairs and I'm like, great. <laughs> I'm going to fail in front of all of them. This is awful. Um, so I was kind of in a dark, dark place at that point and the sobbing continued and they're screaming at me, trying to be positive and get me going. And I'm just like, ah, I don't want it anymore. I'm done. But I literally sat down on the trail and threw a little fit, told them all to, you know, F off. I was done. I'm not going to be, you know, very good this year. Just leave me to it and let me suck. I'm fine. Um, go away. Let me, let me be alone in my hole. I just wanted to be alone. I was so embarrassed. It's like, oh, it's not my day. And they're like, oh no, they never like, they didn't expect me to just sit down on the trail. <laughs> so I had my little temper tantrum. Um, and then I turned around and got back up and realized like all of these people showed up for me to cheer me on, to pull me out of my hole. I'm like, get your ass up and get up these damn stairs. <laughs> um, so that was, that was my lowest of my low moments. And this is, you know, we're going on 20 minutes into this loop and I still have three miles to go. Yeah. I haven't even gotten like a mile in. And I had, I don't know, 15, it felt like an army of people there at the top of the stairs. Just, and I'm like, I'm not going to make it. I'm just going to time out. I'm like, let me just quit. <laughs> like, no, you're not quitting in the middle of this loop. I'm like, fine, I'll just walk it. So then I had to do the out and back. And I went on the out and back. And while I was alone out there for a few seconds, I just started kicking myself like, you idiot. All these people are here for you. You know, suck it up. There's worse things. You're choosing to be out here. Dig deep. Let's go. And all of a sudden, I realized this out and back section that had been caked with mud and just so hard to run. It started to dry up a little. And I was like, hey, I can kind of run this. And I channeled this like anger, this like full on rage I had for myself for being such a shitty person. <laughs> and I just decided I'm going to see what I can do. I'm going to push this loop. And if I just collapse at the finish line, that's okay because it can be my last lap. So then I just dug deep and just started sprinting. And I don't know where I got these legs from. I swear I've never run this course that fast, especially with 150, 146 miles on my legs already. And I came out of the woods because I had to do the out and back and they were still waiting for me at the top of the stairs. And I was just like, sorry, guys, I love you. I don't deserve you. I just took off. And they were all like going crazy, going nuts. And I was like, ah, and they just fed me. So when I finished the loop, I cruised past the other guys. I'm like, sorry, guys, I don't mean to do this, but it's, it's more for me. It wasn't to, to, some people were like, did you send a message to the boys? It wasn't about sending a message at all. It was more about like coming out of my own darkness, my own hole of like, I've been dying all day. <laughs> I needed to prove to myself that I could still run, that I could still do this. And so I finished that loop ahead of everybody. Uh, somehow, I don't even know how I ran that fast <laughs> because usually I'm pretty well paced, but. Uh, that was a, a really cool turning point. So finishing that with like nine minutes to go and everyone came crashing in to help me. Like this was right before the transition back to the road. And now I have like this new energy, this new adrenaline, this new, I don't know, reason why to keep going. And uh, they all, you know, huddle around me like an Indy NASCAR, um, you know, race 
pit area. So I had like two different people on two different legs, pulling my socks off and putting on new shoes and powdering me up and getting me ready and fueled and ready to get back out on the road. And so then from there, I was like, okay, the night is my time. I can come back to life. And then from there on, um, I felt really strong. I don't know how I came back from death, but that was like the turning point. Um, and then a couple hours later, number my number three, David Compton dropped and I, uh, you know, he was so strong, like watching him throughout the whole day, like the contrast of how weak I was all day to how strong he was. Everyone thought he was going to be the winner and he was solid. Um, so it's just so crazy how the wheels could fall off, how quickly the tables can turn. And, uh, so the night, the night was kind of lonely though. It's like another swing from like this high of all these people around you to now you're kind of out there battling the road alone. So then it becomes a new, uh, a new slog. I don't know. It's hard to describe all those, all those moments out there when you're just kind of stuck in your own head. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that, that was, you know, incredible to kind of hear that whole thing. You know, the one part that kind of stuck out to me most was your crew. And you kind of talked about how the importance of having them kind of just like speak about, you know, like you mentioned, like, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean it kind of thing. But like, you know, what was it like to have that, that amount of support there for you at this race? Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know how I don't know how people do it without the crew or without people rooting for them, cheering them on. I don't know if I would do it. And I think that's, that's another one of my biggest weaknesses. I show my flaws and then I, I don't know if I'm strong enough on my own, on my own two feet. I, I wouldn't go as far and having this, like so many people there that, uh, that were rooting for me and then we're going up to the line and I just felt bad because everyone's like screaming my name. I'm like, Oh, these guys, <laughs> poor guys showing up, you know, out of towners. I feel so bad, but, uh, I felt the love for sure. Um, but it's just, uh, it's overwhelming actually. And, uh, it makes me play up. So it's a great thing to have, but it's also maybe my kryptonite because when I don't have it, when I don't have, when it gets dark and at night and people are going to bed and it's not the crazy party that it was all day, uh, it gets real hard and then I got to face my own demons and figure out if I can do it myself. And I guess that's why I keep going back for, for more because I, I know I need to get better at that. Well, you've definitely kind of figured out uh, the backyard ultra scene uh, to say the least, I, I would say, uh, take us through that last loop for you and kind of how the end of the race kind of ended. Ooh, uh, so the last couple of hours, I, was really tired. Obviously it's getting late. It's, it's been a long days and I let some things slip because I was more focused on getting into my, so at the end of each loop, I had a routine or I'd get in, I'd rest for a few minutes and then I would eat, but I was so uh, exhausted. I, I just wanted to rest and I wasn't interested in eating. And so I, the last few hours before my last, I wasn't getting enough calories in and I know I wasn't cause I'd get back out there. And you can feel yourself either slip, like slipping negative, slipping physically. You can feel your body kind of slowing. And a lot of it, most of it is all nutrition. So if I had been eating enough and forcing food in, because at this point you're just so sick of eating, you don't, you don't want to put in anything else in your mouth. Um, 
but it was it was definitely my mistake because I wasn't staying on it. Like that's one thing where you have to be robotic. Uh, you have to be, you know, think of it as fuel. You just can't think of it. Oh, do I want this or do I want this? And sometimes I would get too many options. I'm like, ah, that doesn't sound good. I don't want that. Sometimes you just shovel it in and just ignore what it tastes like, swallow it, and get on the road. So um, that was my my downfall because. I remember that last loop. I'm like, I just can't move. My like my whole body had started to seize up and I wanted to run. I was still kind of there, like wanting it, but then physically my body wasn't obeying me. So uh, I needed to, I, I shouldn't have let it slip. And I, I was too late at that point to bring it back. I didn't have anything to, to get me, you know, that supercharge that I needed that, you know, crowd of people to, help me find some sort of source of uh, motivation that, you know, magically came out of nowhere. Um, so, and out there alone, so Piotr was super strong and he was crushing the running up the hills and there was miles ahead. So I just didn't even have a bunny to chase. Like I'm just completely in darkness. So it gets really lonely out there and really hard to want to push on. So that's how the last hour played out. And then I, I hit the turnaround at like 34 minutes and I couldn't, I couldn't get myself to move. And so then I'm like, well, we're just going to walk this in. And then towards the last like quarter mile, a uh, car came out and some people were coming to check on me to make sure I was okay. And, and I was walking it in through the park and then Piotr came and walked up to meet me. And that was the sweetest thing. Like what a, champion and a gentleman to come back and check on me and make sure I was all right and walk towards like he could have just hung out and you know cracked his celebratory beer and started started his uh championship speech I don't know but no he was he was a a great competitor to to lose to I guess and uh, I'm happy he's he's gonna carry on the crown to uh the bigs he's gonna be a great a great threat up there or down there Down there. Um, I was supposed to ask about a couple other variables at the at the race here, and that were the dinosaurs and dancing avocado. <laughs> well, um, we had a new mascot up here. I don't know where this came from, but there was a dancing avocado um, early in the day, Saturday, and I think again in the afternoon. Um, that was a nice addition, a little distraction. Um, I don't know why he kept screaming guacamole in a high-pitched voice, because usually you would want to advertise against your breed and maybe say, go for the salsa, but it was a, a nice distraction. I think it, it helped give other people a boost, at least a giggle along the way. Good morning, says guacamole, woohoo. And then- That has been my husband in that suit. <laughs> and then we also got Brian Steinberg runs too much. Is the username says good job at Desert Solstice last year too, representing Michigan. Oh, thanks. That's also kind of a, a lesson learned for for nutrition. I kind of seized up there, and so I knew when it happened, it was a similar. Uh, I didn't eat. My body is not moving. What do you What do you normally eat? What is your kind of like? You try to get around two, three hundred. Are you pretty precise mm -hmm. about that? Mostly liquids. Kind of what's your? I don't like the liquids. I tried them, but I'm mostly food. So 
like a yogurt packet, a little go-go squeeze, and an applesauce, a bar, um, whatever my crew's cooking up. I love my green curry. Um, Andrew always makes me green curry. And that just tastes so good. I could eat that all day, all night. Green curry. Um, I feel like that's yeah. dangerous. He leaves out the spice, but he makes it homemade, and it's all very fresh ingredients, and it's ridiculous. He goes to these, you know, extents to, you know, wine and dine me, even when we're, like, camping. It's like, I'd be okay with progressive, um, those progresso Campbell or whatever, cans of soup. And he's like, mm-hmm. oh, no. <laughs> Everything from scratch. It's ridiculous. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm like, pampered. It's stupid. I... I think I've become too high maintenance because he's made me so, so it's kind of his fault. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. You, so you kind of mentioned bigs momentarily there and you know uh, how you're right now currently not on the entrance list, but you are kind of up there for an at-large bid, you know, if those kind of open up, uh, are you, would you return to bigs again this, uh, this fall if you got the opportunity to? Oh, I wouldn't say no. Of course I'd go back. Can't say no to that. Plus, I get to hang out with uh, all the cool people. I mean, that would just be awesome. But yeah, no, I I never want to run a backyard again. But I would totally. <laughs> I still need some time. <laughs> no, I um, I think I I think you keep getting better at these things the more you do them, and uh, being able to be surrounded by the greats uh, at Bigs last year helped me play up too, and um, I would I would love to be surrounded by the greatness again and, and hopefully uh, surpass whatever um, I've done in the past. It'd be nice to have another go. Um, definitely owed. I, I let myself down in some ways. Um, I didn't die in the chair, so there's that, but maybe it was, there were some mistakes I made that I could, I could be better on next time. So we'll have another chance. Well, Laz, you know, if you're listening to this, let Sarah in. You know, there's a couple other people that we want to make sure we get in, but Sarah's definitely on the list. So uh, make sure she's down there this September because she's going to absolutely crush it. What was one of your favorite memories from Biggs this past year? Kind of one thing that you left the whole weekend uh, with? Um, well, Courtney hugged me. That was cool. <laughs> um, and Maggie likes to pretend to hate me, but she really likes me too. <laughs> so that was also cool. And uh, the, the foursome with Amelia and Courtney and Maggie was pretty cool with having that girl bond. And I really, going into Owen, I kind of wanted to have that same like girl power going into it. Uh, my community, I hoped everyone felt like um, the girls had each other's back because that's how I felt at Biggs. All the girls, I mean, everyone had a boy, girl, whatever, but there's something unique about being kind of a minority in the sport and, and having each other support each other through these things and, and encourage each other to go farther, do more, um, sky's limit, that kind of thing. Uh, and just the support beyond bigs has been really cool. Just the, uh, you know, reaching out, um, and supporting each other through different, uh, before and after different races and, um, kind of feeling like, Oh, they're my friends. <laughs> That's cool. So, I'd say that was the biggest thing, but um, I guess hitting 200 still kind of feels unreal. I don't, I don't know how it actually happened, but uh, that was cool too. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know how it happened either because it's, uh, it's awesome to see and I have no idea. How, I could never hit 200 myself. So uh, seeing you do it was definitely inspiring. Oh, you to, could. You to, could. To, to I can do it, you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's how that works, but... Uh, Who am I? I mean, I'm nobody. I could do it. <laughs> Uh, so we're moving on. You've got a couple of races lined up next, and it's going to be kind of awesome to see you there. You've got a Michigan one, and then you're actually going down to Tennessee. Talk a little bit about those races uh, coming up here for you. Uh, the Michigan one's a bit of a deferral from last year. I did it once before, and it's hard. It's a 50-miler up in Marquette. Uh, beautiful course. Uh, I definitely underestimated it last time, but it'll be a good warm-up or training run, I think, for the Fall Classic, I hope. Although I don't know if I'm, there's anything that can really compare to what's going to go down uh, for that. I just hope I can, again, hang on and, and get around it. So I don't have huge goals for either of them. Um, I just want to have some fun um, and stay healthy, stay uninjured. <laughs> and maybe if I get lucky enough to go back down again to Tennessee in October, I'll be ready to battle. Um, Mike Rowe wants to know if you're going to be making a trip to OBU at any time in the future. I wouldn't say never. I mean, I, I'd do anything for Mike. Mike's a good guy. I was going to say, you I mean, he kind of was the assist the one year, right? It was the first year that you guys ran it? Yeah. Second no, year. Second year. Second year. Um, but he, he kind of stood me up this year, so I'm a little stunned. Maybe I'll say I'm going to go to the Ohio backyard and then not show up last minute. I, he did mention that he had a big uh, commitment there. I think it was, uh, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I know we gave him a little bit of a uh, flack for it too. So uh, <laughs> we were, we were hoping Mike was going to be back. Him and Tanner, both of those Ohio boys. Uh, Tanner's Kentucky. We don't claim him as ours. But... He? he did Ohio though, didn't he? Yes. He was at Ohio. Yeah. All right. Sorry, Tanner. No, actually, we should claim Tanner because we, 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 we could get it in Ohio for sure. We should, we should push away like that. That's, that's on me, Tanner. That's on me. Uh, Although I hear the Capitol backyard is is um, tempting. Like, I don't know about Ohio. I, I'm not sure about that course. But I would be interested in the Capitol backyard next year, too. That one was kind of like owed in the sense that, you know, the first two years it kind of was not like underperformed, but the third year it just kind of, you know, totally outperformed the first two years. So it's definitely kind of cool seeing all those back at ultras just totally crush their previous performances. Yeah. I just think it's everyone realizing what, what's capable, what they're capable of, what's the potential out there. It's like watching someone do a break the four, four minute mile. And then all of a sudden everyone starts breaking it. Like once you realize you can keep going, you start figuring out oh, how do I do this? Okay. And a lot of people this year knew the strategy where they've been watching the YouTubes or the, you know, uh, pot, listening to podcasts of the people that have done it and they're starting to learn, okay, I don't need to go fast. And they're learning, okay, 50 minute, 52 minute loops is good. Uh, so even the fast guys that I kind of expected to go out, you know, hard and go fast and do fast loops and have more time, they were going slow. I was like, oh, people are getting it. <laughs> That's cool. I think the more people learn the puzzle, uh, the longer it's going to last. Very, very interesting to watch. <laughs> the backyard ultra scene over the next couple of years, given what we've seen it do from the beginning. Um, mm -hmm. I know everyone watched that, that first one and they were like, wow, that was so far. And then like, it was like, now that's getting crushed by like every single backyard ultra out there. Yeah. Um, so we got another comment from a question from Julia. I'm probably going to mess up the last name Gunnison. 
Um, says you were uh, such, such a positive force out there for us all and can confirm us gals all felt that support. What's your best book recommendation? Oh, right now I've been really digging my, how bad do you want it? Uh, forget his name. Who, who writes it? Something like Tom. How bad do you want it? It's really good. Um, but I really like some of those, uh, similar veins endure and, um, the sports gene. And it kind of talks about the mental game. And that's kind of where I, I like to focus on because it's what I need help with, really. Um, but then Dana Carter has another one that's uh, a caster, uh, Let the Mind Run. And that's another one where she gets in her own head and uses that positive mental talk to, you know, make herself go farther, faster, better. Um, so those those things are, those are the books I love. But I haven't gotten through all of How Bad Do You Want It? Clearly, because I didn't want that bad this year, I guess. <laughs> Almost. It has some good stuff. I um, I think I was just reading, what was it? Uh, Dean's new book. He just came out with another one recently. And he was kind of like talking about his like mental game of being like almost fearful of being forgotten in the in this race industry and stuff like that. So it's kind of weird because it's like the common trend, I think, in a lot of the writing books lately. There's more and more discussion about <laughs> mental awareness and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. I think um yeah, my, my mental part is just not being good enough or not feeling good enough for myself, not like always holding myself too high to um like you to this per level of perfection where you know no matter how far you or how fast or whatever place you're in, it's not enough. There's always more. And uh I guess being okay with that was that was all I could do that day. I was enough. And that's my my shtick, I guess. <laughs> So I think it's about time that we dive into our quick questions for this episode. If anyone has any final uh, questions in the chat, we'll drop those in there now and we'll get to those real quick, but we'll hit our regular quick questions now. So we'll go through those. Uh, what's one thing that you can't leave an aid station without? You shouldn't leave without lube, but that that's definitely one of them. Um, I can't think of anything else more important. That's a great answer. Uh, do you have any pre-race rituals? Not really. I don't really change anything because then I freak out too much. So I just try to act like it's another day. And Any post-race indulgences? Everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no limit. <laughs> Whatever's closest. Yes. At, uh, at Oh, somebody brought me a white claw. That was very nice. <laughs> Do you remember the flavor? It, I can tell you what it wasn't. I think it was a strawberry. Oh, there we go. Or yeah, I think it was but I prefer the mangoes, but that's okay. Variety pack number three is good. We're a big White Claw show and seltzer show in general. No, we're not going to yeah. just limit to White Claws. Yeah, normally we do the Trulies and kind of the whole thing. So uh, we love hearing that uh, that answer as well. Uh, what's one of the favorite places you've ever run? Oh, there's so many. Um, I'm just going to go with my, my, my backyard because it's like my happy place. And it's not like the most exotic, but it's not where you're at. It's who you're with. So favorite places is always wherever my favorite people are. So. Uh, Dom Halbert in the chat says, not a question, but a, just a comment. Keep on doing what you're doing, both you and Andrew, with his lucky 
cactus keep on inspiring you've got two newbie ultra enthusiasts over here thanks to you and then andrew moore says what is the dinosaur about no what the dinosaur the sarasaurus what is the dinosaur about? Dinosaur is uh, discovered owed 2019. So she was one of my mental distractions early on in the day. And I found her, I think, six or seven hours in. It's like just as you're gradually walking up this hill and you're looking down because you're like, oh, almost done with this loop. And you see this root and it looks like a dinosaur. And I named her and I told everyone at the end of the loop to come find the dinosaur with me. And we went on a dinosaur hunt. And then from then on, everyone would kind of like latch on and I'm like, come on, tell everyone else there's a dinosaur. We're going to go dinosaur hunting. It was just something to do. But then uh, every year we, you know, go back and look for her. Oh, after that year, I told, you know, Tad to go look for her. And it took him a while to find her. Like I told him the whereabouts she was on the trail and, and now this year she has a sign and she's like dedicated. I get to have the name for life because I found her. So my little mark on the ode. Got to come find her. Have to do May that. have to. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, who are your inspirations in the running scene? Um, well, obviously my, my girls, Courtney and Maggie. Um, but uh, Katie Wright was also one of the big ones. So when I first did Ode. It was my first backyard. I had no clue what I was doing. And that same year, so Ode's in July, August, October was Biggs. It was when I started following Biggs. And that's the year Maggie won. And I remember being at work, watching the live feed refresh on my phone, like every second, or, you know, the posts waiting for the next update, not paying attention to work at all. And it was down to two girls. And I was like, oh, who are they? It's Katie and Maggie. And I didn't know anything about either one of them but I like the name Katie. So I was like, I'm going to cheer for Katie. Everyone else is cheering for Maggie. So I'm posting, go Katie. And they're like, what? You're not cheering for the, you know, American girl? I'm like, whatever. <laughs> I like her name. <laughs> so long story short, uh, now, well, they're both badasses, but now I've been chatting with Katie, you know, via Instagram and stuff, and she's really cool. And I hope I get to meet her uh, and run with her one day. So um, she's been doing some crazy things out you know, down under wherever she is in those crazy, awesome trails of hers. So maybe I get to visit one day. Hopefully you'll be able to. The um, next one we got is if ultra running had walk-up songs like baseball, what would yours be? Oh, there's so many songs. It depends on my mood, really. I could go all over the place. You were jamming today on Instagram. If you don't, no one follows you yet, go to our Instagram page, check out our story, follow uh, Sarah here because you did some different beats on uh, story, which is kind of <laughs> awesome. So we're excited to hear this answer. It's going on our Spotify playlist. <laughs> I have a I have a good uh, Spotify playlist actually. That's got, got a few gems on there. Um, I like the one till I collapse re recently. It's the uh, Eminem one. Just the the intro. He talks about going until he drops and. That one uh, gets me going. That's a great Backyard Ultra song, too. So uh, that's an awesome answer. Love that answer. Or anything. Uh, yeah. Or uh, what's her name? Yeah. Unstoppable. She's good. If you could run with one person in the history of the world, even if they weren't a runner and keep up with you, uh, who would it be and where would it be? In the history of the world, well, right now there's a couple of runners in the UK that I really want to run with. 
um, and they happen to be commenting on this chat. So uh, I have these pen pals, Dom and Christina and Alina, who I met via COVID, I guess, because, you know, we're all looking, searching for connection. And he's, they were getting into ultras and backyards over in the UK. They actually did the, uh, the Suffolk backyard. And so it was really cool. Uh, we became friends um, online, I guess, and we've been chatting and sharing and following each other's races. And uh, so I'd really love to run with them one day hopefully soon when the world opens back up. But. That would be awesome uh, to, to, for you to meet them and shout out to them for listening. I don't even know what time it is. It's going to be something <laughs> know, like right? crazy. Like it's at 3 a.m. I think it's got to be. I think he said his alarm to wake up. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> that is absolutely awesome. John, I think you got something here. Yeah. The, uh, the official Ode to Laz Backyard Ultra channel just commented and said, we love Sarah. So um, last, I think the last thing we got here is, uh, sponsors, anyone else you want to say thank you to? Uh, iAthlete.club is the you know, original sponsor of the Ode, and they've been supporting me. And, um, you know, I can't say enough good things about them. And, and thank you for the continued support. And um, my my family, of course, my, my husband, who's the one that pushes me the farthest and keeps me getting back out there, even though I want to quit. <laughs> and uh, I just... I have this amazing, I can't name them all. I would be here for all night. Um, but everyone that showed up for me that 36th hour was pretty, you know, they're always going to be uh, in my heart because that was a, a big, a big moment. And uh, ugh, I don't know. There's just, I'm so blessed to be part of this running family. Um, and everyone you meet, it's just, it's so cool how you feel connected right off the bat. And you share these uh, weird adventures together. <laughs> Where you like lose toenails and sweat a lot, and sometimes, you know, defecate and puke and a lot of these gross things, but somehow uh, you keep coming back for more. <laughs> so I'm hooked. Andrew says, so skin. <laughs> oh, of course, exotoes. Show me your skin. I just like their hashtag. <laughs> um, so I want to thank everyone for joining us this evening. Everyone in the chat has been amazing, asking all the great questions. Sarah, you've been a wonderful guest. It's a pleasure talking to you this evening. Um, just remind everyone, if you like what we're doing here, go ahead and give us a like, subscribe on YouTube and Instagram. We greatly appreciate that, and it really helps us out. Also, on Instagram right now, if you go back a couple posts, you got to find it. I'm not going to tell you which one. We have a contest for a Cabin Fever 50K. It's the inaugural one in February, right? Right, Wesley? Yeah, inaugural race in the New River Gorge, America's newest national park in Fayetteville, West Virginia in February. It's going to be an awesome race. Go uh, win yourself a free race entry. There will be hopefully a bunch of snow on the ground, and it will be a beautiful place to run. So go enter for that, and we'll be drawing that at the end of the month. Um, I think that's it, and we'll see everybody next week on the next Returners Live, right? Good luck, John. Hey, go get oh, them this yeah. weekend. Oh, thanks. Good luck. We'll see what happens. Hopefully we'll come back with some good stories next week. Awesome. All righty. We'll see everyone. Thanks, guys. Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning in to another Ridge Runners live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava club so you can get mentioned in the Strava rundown every single week. 
We'll see you next week, Virgin Nation. 